Gospel Message, Week 63. In the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 4, verses 35 to 40, we read, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And they were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder parts of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This passage is a very common passage that's used, you know, when we're being encouraged to trust in Christ, especially in those times of tribulation when the seas of life are raging around us and we find ourselves overwhelmed by our circumstances and by our fears. You know, and um, that's when this passage is referenced. And of course, according to the passage, the message is usually, you know, why are you so fearful? You know, Jesus is with you, so you shouldn't fear. And he has the ability to speak to the seas and speak to the waves and instruct them to be still. And when he does instruct them, they have no choice but to obey him. So instead of allowing our circumstances to make us fearful we should always trust in christ and trust in the ability of christ to be able to calm the seas and the storms of life and it's a very valid teaching and that's exactly what is being taught in this passage but something additional came to me not too long ago when i heard this passage you know, being referenced in a sermon. And if we look at the historic context of, of the passage, if you read from the beginning of that Mark 4, you'll see that, you know, Jesus, prior to that uh, event happening, Jesus had been teaching. He had been preaching to the multitude that were gathered by the sea, and he taught them many things by parables. Uh, verse 2 of that chapter 4 says, and he talked about the parable of the sower and he talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about you know the grain of the mustard seed um, and lots of other things and then when he was done teaching he, it was time to sort of separate himself you know and he he invited his disciples to come onto the boat and he said let us go to the other side and the thing that struck me was that, you know, the invitation came from Christ. He was the one who called the disciples. He said, come, let us go to the other side. They weren't taking him to the other side. He was taking them to the other side. 
You know, he called them to get into the boat. And of course, quite naturally, he was tired physically and he went to sleep. And his disciples who were awake now saw the storms raging and they had to wake him, you know. It's very easy to criticize the disciples in this particular instance, but the truth is that this was during the course of their being disciples. So they were still learning Christ. And even the, the latter part of that passage indicates that because after he calms the, the seas and calmed the storm, they marveled. I mean, where they had been fearful of the storm before, it says they feared exceedingly after he spoke to the wind and the waves. And they said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So it, it's quite obvious that they, they didn't know the full extent of this man that they were dealing with, this man in whose company that they were, that they were going on this sojourn with him they knew of him but they didn't really know him so bit by bit and piece by piece and day by day in the three years that our Lord spent with his his disciples they were coming more and more into the knowledge of him and the scriptures even tell us from Jesus himself in the book of John that they didn't even come into the full knowledge of him. He said he had to depart so that he could send his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit will now bring them into all truth and the Holy Spirit will also make him known to them and will glorify him to them. So there was going to be an education while he was on the earth but then there was a whole lot of education that they were even going to get after he had gone up to heaven because now the knowledge of the events that had transpired were going to now be opened up to them you know in the book of Luke Christ prayed and he said you know and he said it says he opened their minds that they might understand the scripture so there was going to be a whole lot of revelation after the fact but while he was on the earth you know these disciples were probably, they knew he was gifted. They called him the son of God because they believed he was the son of God. But the full magnitude of who the son of God is on this earth had not even dawned on them yet. So this incident that happened was one of those things that marveled them that they were like, wow, okay, who is this man? I mean, he speaks to the wind, he speaks to the storm, he speaks it and they obey him. I mean, that's mind blowing. And, and we have to admit how mind blowing it is if we were to actually try to picture what was going on and try to maybe somehow project the emotions that they were feeling at that time. But this whole thing of trust, it's kind of hard to trust someone that you don't know. And we have to be honest with ourselves, even as human beings, you know, it's like walking up to somebody today and he says, he or she says, trust me. And your first days, well, I don't even know you. How in the world am I supposed to trust you? But as time went on with the disciples, as Christ spent more time with his disciples, there was an expectation that the more they saw, then the more their understanding was supposed to slowly open up as to who he was. But here on this boat, you know, Christ called them. He said, come, let us go to the other side. And we can now take that and make it almost, uh, 
you know, synonymous with the lives that we live today. We who are Christians or who call ourselves Christians, the Bible tells us, you know, no one can come to me unless the father draw him. That's what Christ says, you know, so unless it is the spirit of God that brings us to the knowledge of this Christ, we cannot come to this Christ. And Christ also said to his disciples, he says, you did not call me. I called you. So take that, that truth, that the same way he invited his disciples to come on the boat that day and said, let us go to the other side. It's the same way he has called you and called me into this boat of Christianity because we cannot follow Christ unless he calls him. You know, we, we cannot be his disciples unless he calls us. We cannot even come into the knowledge of him unless his spirit opens him up to us. So there is nothing about this Christianity that is by merit. There is nothing about this Christianity that is by human effort. If we believe it is, then it is a watered down Christianity and it is not the true Christianity because the true Christianity is revealed to the true Christians by the very spirit of Christ himself. He calls us, he calls us, and then he gives us his spirit that we're supposed to yield to. And as we are yielding in that spirit, he takes us higher and higher. And simultaneously, he takes us deeper and deeper into the knowledge of him. Because John 17 verse 3 says, this is life eternal, that they might know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So for all the things, the high and lofty things that we think are the guarantees of eternal life, God is telling us in this, in, in his book, in the word, which is Christ, that the, the, the guarantee of eternal life is really the knowledge of God that can only happen by the exposition of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the one who reveals it to us. But we can only reveal it, he can only reveal it to us if we're there, if we're receiving it. And we can only grow in it if we are abiding in him. Christ said in John 15, he said, you know, if you abide in me and I abide in you, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you cannot grow in so-called Christianity apart from Christ. It is not a human knowledge thing. It is not a human wisdom and understanding thing. It is a spiritual knowledge thing and a spiritual wisdom and understanding thing. So when Christ calls us into this boat, he tells us to come into the boat. Let us now go to the other side. And we can take this other side to be from the life that I'm in now to the life that he has purposed for me, to the life that he has planned for me. He's taking me to from my will, which is this side, to the other side, which is his will. He's taking me from life according to me on this side to life according to God in Christ Jesus, the other side. So in this boat of life now, Christianity as we'll call it, there are going to be storms. There are going to be trials. There are going to be tribulations. The wind is going to rage. It's going to toss us up and down and left and right. 
And sometimes it's going to appear as if the Savior is not there, as if he's not listening. But the same way he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Why are you of so little faith? I called you. So if I'm the one who called you into this boat, then you need to trust that I am not only in here with you, but I've got you while you're in this boat. And this is the trust that Christ is asking of us. If we are Christians, then we know the calling is not of us. The calling is of him. And the one who called us is sufficient to keep us through every single storm that we pass through provided that we abide in him provided that we surrender to him provided that we seek him above everything else and he will now supply our needs according to his riches but we have to be focused not on the storm not on the winds but on him he is sufficient so often we talk about doing the will of God, but what we consider to be the will of God is me making my own plans, saying a prayer and asking God to bless my plans. That's not God's will. That's my will. I'm establishing my will and asking God to co-sign my will. And then that now consoles me that it's his will. It's not. The will of God is the will of God, even if it is contrary to what I have planned for myself. And when we sign up to walk in God's will, when we sign up to surrender our lives to Christ, it is the equivalent of literally having no plan, so to speak, other than, Lord, I am going to follow you wherever it is that you take me. And think about it, wherever you are in your life, be you male or female, if you're a wife or a husband or a daughter or a son, if you are employed, wherever you are in life, God has a perfect plan for you in that place where you are. He's not going to ask you to erase life as it exists but what he's asking us to do is surrender to him where we are yield to his spirit where we are so that we can hear his voice clearly and abide by his voice allow his spirit to direct us allow his spirit to speak and then be so attentive that we will hear his voice and obey his spirit right where we are and whatever that instruction is it will never ever contradict what he has told us is the greatest commandment of all which is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your strength and all your might and love your neighbor as yourself because this is the fulfillment of the law so anything that contradicts that we have to ask ourselves at that point am I walking in my will or am I walking in the will of the Lord and we have to honestly bring this to him in prayer ask 
asking him to search us every step of the way, asking him to check us every step of the way, knowing that in this body of flesh, it is so easy. It is so easy to fall into our own will because the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. So we must be vigilant, as the Bible says, knowing that the enemy is prowling around like a lion looking for whom to devour. We have to be vigilant and stay on top of prayer, stay on top of supplication with thanksgiving, surrendering everything to God, not worrying, but being mindful of the fact that we are dealing with a deceptive and slick enemy. But God is greater. Christ has already overcome Satan, and it is the spirit of Christ that we ask to come and dwell in us. So because it is the spirit of Christ that we ask to come and dwell in us, we have to make sure we are attentive to that spirit of Christ. And it is not a one-time prayer. We pray it on January 1st and it's done for the rest of the year. Every single day, search me, O Lord. Guide me. And even if I am walking in the wrong way, lead me in the way everlasting. This is the prayer. And there is no way we can ask for the guidance of Christ and he will not answer this prayer. Those are the prayers that he answers immediately. The prayers for guidance, the prayers for surrender, the prayer for humility, the prayer to abide in him, to abide in his love. These are the prayers that God does not put on the back burner. Those are prayers that are answered immediately as long as we trust that the God who put us in that boat, that the Christ who called us into that boat is sufficient to keep us. This is the trust that we are working towards. This is the trust that we are yielding to the Holy Spirit to bring us into. And when we have this trust, and it is built up continuously, where we falter on any one day, that's not a platform to fall into dejection or fall into misery, saying, oh, I, I, I let the Lord down today. His mercies are renewed every morning. Where he has revealed to us that maybe we did fall short, he is the one who gives strength. He is the one who sets, picks us up and sets us on the right path. He is the one who also walks with us on that path. He walks before us, he walks with us, and he walks in us. So let us just continue to seek him every single moment of every single day. And according to his word, he will give us peace that passes all understanding. Remember what he said to the waves. He said, peace, be still. He says that same peace to our worries. He speaks that same peace to our anxieties. Even if the storm is raging, he will give us a peace that will cause us to no longer feel the effects of the storm, but be so caught up in him and so rested and trusting and assured in him that no matter what is raging around us, we will not falter, but we will remain steadfast. This is the God we serve. This is the Christ that we serve. And may he, by his spirit, enable us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen.